0: Hi, welcome to Canna Confidential. I'm your host, Jewel Peter, and on this podcast, we discuss the state of the cannabis industry as well as any insights we feel might be valuable to our listeners. So, without further ado, we'll get to the content. Thanks for joining us. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Canna Confidential. I am your host, Jewel, and I'm joined today by Cheryl from Kinhana Cannabis. And as usual, we're going to discuss updates to the cannabis industry in Canada, the US, and globally. Today, we're going to kick it off with an article about how the tide is coming for medical cannabis. And this is an article from DW. The search for a vaccine for the new coronavirus, or indeed a medicinal drug to cure it, has taken researchers down both traditional and less traditional avenues. They have looked at existing drug candidates one that was originally developed to treat Ebola. One of the candidates that has been considered for a coronavirus vaccine was originally developed for cancer immunology. There's a study out of France that suggests nicotine, typically ingested via the often lethal pastime of smoking, may protect people against the novel coronavirus itself, a potentially fatal lung infection. And now preliminary research is emerging out of Canada that certain strains of the psychoactive drug cannabis may also increase resistance to the coronavirus. If the study, which has not yet been peer-reviewed, can be verified, it would appear that cannabis works in a similar way to nicotine. The results on COVID-19 came from our studies on arthritis, Crohn's disease, cancer, and others, and this is according to Dr. Igor Kolvacek, a professor of biological science at the University of Lethbridge in an email to DW. Some in the science community say medicinal cannabis may help to treat a range of conditions from nausea to dementia, but medicinal cannabis is not the same as what you might call recreational cannabis. Those more common or quote garden varieties of cannabis are known for their THC content that obviously is the main psychoactive agent in the drug the alberta-based researchers meanwhile have focused on strains of the plant Uh, cannabis sativa that are high in anti-inflammatory cannabinoid CBD one of the other main chemicals in cannabis they have developed over 800 new cannabis sativa variants with high levels of CBD and identified 13 extracts which they say modulate ACE2 levels in those human gateways and ACE2 levels are the receptors that are where the coronavirus gets picked up by the human body from these ACE2 receptors another quote Uh, from DW. Our varieties are high in CBD or have a balanced CBD THC content because you can give a higher dose and people will not be impaired by the psychoactive effects of just high THC. So from that study there's a few things I want to address. First of all most people who are familiar with cannabis are already aware of the whole plant effect that comes with a balance between THC and CBD as well as the other cannabinoids but That's really what this article is discussing is that they are under the impression that plants that are high in CBD of the sativa strain or a balance of CBD and THC are effectively inhibiting those ACE2 receptors or ACE2 receptors so that the novel coronavirus can never implant itself in the receptor to begin with, effectively creating an immunity to the virus. Now, as it said, this article has not been peer reviewed and this is just one study, but it's very encouraging to see a plant that we all either love very dearly or have grown to love, see it do something so miraculous for the situation that's currently facing the world.
1: It's an amazing plant and and I would be, very interested to see the uh, the extended version of this after it's peer reviewed,
0: or a secondary study that where they repeat the process and see if they can duplicate the effect. I think
1: there are a lot of um, researchers and scientists working on this exact problem. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. And wouldn't it be incredible to bypass a
0: vaccine completely? and just have people taking a certain amount of cbd or cbd thc blend so that so that people who like children for example that or young people that you want to be immune to it but don't necessarily want to have any psychoactive effects it's nice to know that you don't have to have the psychoactive effect to essentially get quote-unquote immunity immunity
1: yeah yeah i'd like to tell you tell you about a an article that I read this week from a magazine called Kitchen Toke, and I'm not sure if it's a magazine or a periodical, but Kitchen Toke nonetheless. Edibles in the Canadian market have become mainstream and more than a quarter of the population has consumed cannabis in an edible form in the last three months. And the feeling is that this will only increase now that people don't have to make them at home or purchase them from illegal sources. The article goes on to explain that the downside is that people may overconsume thinking that the cannabis isn't working yet. Another downside is that underage persons or pets could potentially use the cannabis treats not knowing that the treats are infused. The best defense is to purchase from a reputable source. Reputable sources are highly regulated and produced in factories where they're supposed to be free from contamination and come with warning labels. I think beyond just a warning label is the child-proof
0: packaging. Yes. And I know that, you know, uh, um, the standard pharmaceutical pill bottle isn't something you could necessarily put all forms of edible in. But let's say you were drinking infused tea or gummies. Those can definitely be put in a child resistant packaging uh, as can, you know, there's different type of Ziploc style bags that can also be made
1: tamper proof. I have seen um, illegal packaging, and it can look very attractive to children, which is unfortunate because this is not something that kids should be getting into. And illegal sources are uh, operating outside of the regulations that um, a a regulated cannabis grower has to fall into. And so it, it becomes attractive for children, and that's unfortunate.
0: Well, that's just like so many things. I mean, previously, before legislation was in place, a lot of companies would just market to young people as a demographic, even though they shouldn't have been marketing to young people. So at least we're making progress in that inside the legal market, they're not using colors, they're not using styling or marketing that would be appealing to a much younger audience. Mm -hmm. Now we'll go to an article about tobacco cannabis crossover products and that could soon be available on the market. This is an article from Real Money. A private company by the name of Thought Leaders has invested a million dollars in an emerging vape company that looks to be the first tobacco and cannabis crossover that doesn't use an oil cartridge. Cannabis Technology House, or CTH, has created a unique product called Cube, but spelled Q-U-B, that heats cannabis flower or tobacco leaf instead of burning it and it could give added competition to tobacco companies who provide high-tech tobacco heating systems. The cube's heating element is inside the consumable instead of inside the device. The company said this design difference prevents sensory experience deterioration caused by heater overuse. It does not have to be clean since the heater is replaced with each new consumable, added Greg Koonin, CTH's co-founder and chief product officer. The funds received will enable CTH to build pre-market prototypes that can be used to to scientifically evaluate the chemical profile and biological activity of aerosols generated with its new product, according to Yuval Malka, the CTH co-founder and CEO. We will also be able to compare our data with traditional combustion products as well as other similar products. Additionally, the funding will be used to further advance the cube as well as deliver commercial-ready products for consumer trials in market tests. So while I necessarily would not promote smoking just because your lungs are really only meant for oxygen, it's nice to see that there is a different opportunity for people who do feel that that's the best way for them to utilize cannabis in that they no longer have to worry about an oil acetate issue like what we've been seeing with the vape crisis that was occurring Uh, several months ago so it is nice to see an option that is safer for people even if smoking cannabis isn't necessarily the most biologically friendly way for you to ingest it at least you can protect yourself somewhat from additives.
1: I feel the same way like I never promote smoking to anybody but some people that's the only way that they can consume cannabis it's uh, it's the fastest way to deal with the pain, or whatever the issue is. It's the fastest way to get the the cannabis into your bloodstream and deal with whatever the issue is. Um, and and the first article that you read about that uh, coating the lungs and helping with the coronavirus. So there are there's good and bad to it.
0: Yes, and I think in both of these cases there needs to be more tests done more studies conducted uh just so we have a clearer picture of in the case of the first article what cannabis can do and in the second article what's
1: possible safely true and so talking about research and more research to be done again um, from this periodical kitchen toke My son-in-law bought me this periodical for Mother's Day, and it's full of wonderful, interesting information. And here's one that I thought would be useful for our audience to know. Scientists decide that cannabis really does help with headaches. For thousands of years, cannabis has been used as a cure for regular headaches and migraines. Most of the evidence that it works has been purely anecdotal, but a team of researchers from the psychology department at Washington State University has decided to prove it. The findings have been published in the journal of, uh, quote, the Journal of Pain, unquote. Researchers compiled the data using StrainPoint, where patients can track the strains and the doses that work best for them. Based on the data that was entered by cannabis users, the researchers determined that inhaled cannabis reduced headache severity by 47.3% and migraine severity by 49.6% more effective in men than women. Cannabis concentrates were more effective than flour. And while there was no control group in place to compare to, the researchers felt that it was potentially good news for headache and migraine sufferers.
0: I think that that's really encouraging, and we'll see more and more information like this as more studies are able to be conducted. And I I think what really is key to take away from all of these studies is the idea that we, there's so much we don't know about what the plant is actually capable of. And I heard someone mention in Kinhana the other day while we were in the cultivation that you know we don't know whether or not a certain strain can have a cannabinoid that is an effective cure for cancer. We just don't know what the plant's capable of, we which is know. so... Amazing, Mm -hmm. And also just pushes me to think that we need to do as much research as possible, but that
1: will only grow as time goes on. And as we've said many times on this podcast, that now that it's legal in Canada anyway, there is money available now for these researchers to, and access to the plant for these researchers to do more studies.
0: Something else that I have a lot of curiosity around is the aromatherapy effects of just the cannabis plant. And that's something we haven't talked about, but I would definitely be interested to know because as we were in the cultivation and as the plants get to a certain point, obviously when they're small... There's not a lot of scent there. But as they get bigger, they start to take on that more adult profile where they do have the scent that most people associate with cannabis. And it would be really interesting to do a study or to read a study that discusses the aromatherapy effects
1: of simply the cannabis plant. I would love to see a study done on that because specifically the one that we were working with the other day, you mentioned that it smelled like puppy breath. Yes. And I've been trying to identify that smell for weeks and weeks and weeks. And I thought it was sort of a smell between like blueberry muffins and uh, what they say, gasoline and tobacco or something like I was trying, trying, trying to identify the smell, but you nailed it on the head when you said it smells like puppy breath. Well, and I didn't mention this to you, but the reason
0: why I came up with that was because I was sitting there and my thoughts kept going to dogs. Like I was thinking about dogs and I was like, why would I be in the cultivation thinking about dogs? And I started to realize that it was a scent activated thought that I was having. And that's when it occurred to me that it smells just like puppy's breath. And that's what I'm talking about. Like if we had some studies that showed with the aromatherapy effects of just the same way that that lavender has terpenes and has its own terp profile. We know that cannabis does as well, but we just haven't seen any research about simply the positive hopefully potentially effects of cannabis aromatherapy so now we'll move into the u.s and uh, our first article is regarding missouri lawmakers unconventional fight for marijuana legalization and this is an article from benzinga As the year is unfolding and the November election ballot is approaching, marijuana legalization advocates are making a last ditch effort to fight for their cause. One GOP Missouri lawmaker decided to stir things up a bit by proposing a rather unorthodox idea on a Missouri House of Representatives Thursday session. Representative Andrew McDaniel introduced an argument to a health care bill requesting members of the House to include consuming marijuana in their legislative activities. The amendment determined that members of the Missouri House shall consume a substantial dose of medicinal marijuana prior to entering the chamber or voting on any legislation. McDaniel told Marijuana Moleman that his intention was to get everyone to chill out and take and get a little chuckle out of all the members of the House. Considering members are feeling overwhelmed with current health care legislation that has, quote, a whole bunch of crap attached to it, despite some yes votes, reporter Tynan Stewart heard from the chamber McDaniel was beaten in a voice vote. He said he did it, quote, just for fun and to get members to pay attention. However, the intent behind the controversial amendment was a creation of more far-reaching legislation than the bill SB 580, giving registered cannabis patients protection from disclosing their registration to the federal government. McDaniel has a history of being liberal on the issue, considering he promoted a bill that became a foundation for medical marijuana measures voters approved later that year, out of three initiatives and the only one approved on the 2018 ballot. It gave physicians the freedom to treat their patients with medical cannabis for conditions they see fit. Unfortunately, the state's activists ended this year's marijuana legislation campaign early due to the coronavirus outbreak. So what's interesting about that is the fact that, and and I do really dislike this, and I'm just going to come right out and say it. I don't like it when people use cannabis as a joke, like a way to lighten the mood because it it adds to the stigma. Like to say, oh, we should just have some cannabis and chill out.
1: And giggle. Yeah,
0: yeah. like it, it takes away from the importance of what cannabis is as a medicine for a lot of people. And I think that it's really important to acknowledge that, while also acknowledge that he has done a lot of things for cannabis, Andrew McDaniel from Missouri, in terms of helping get legalization there rolling. But at the same time, it's not something that should be um, made to be a joke because it's not for a lot
1: of people. Yeah, some people would find it, find the humor in that, and, and that's acceptable. But like you said, there are a lot of people that it's a, it's a very serious medical need and not to be trifled with. Oh,
0: I think what I'm really trying to convey is when you're trying to sway the tide – In a place like Missouri, where people aren't necessarily as liberally minded when it comes to cannabis, making jokes about it in the legislative community is probably not the best way to advance the agenda.
1: Correct. And while you're talking about legalizing and and, uh, advancing cannabis through governmental uh, policy, Joe Biden announced that he is going to campaign to legalize marijuana and it's felt, at least by Politico, where I found this information, that he will swing votes that way. Uh, the former vice president's opposition to fully like legalizing marijuana is well known, but on the campaign trail in New Hampshire this week, he appeared to change his position. Uh, a direct quote, I think it's at the point where it has to be basically legalized, end quote he said on Tuesday, uh, in a recording that was obtained by Politico. Marijuana legalization advocate Don Murphy of the Marijuana Policy Project approached Biden at a campaign event uh, last week and asked about the candidate's hawkish cannabis policy In the recording, Biden restated his cannabis plan, which would decriminalize cannabis, expunge some cannabis-related records, and make cannabis legal and create opportunities for more research, adding twice that he does not believe cannabis is a gateway drug. He then thinks that cannabis needs to be basically legalized. But Biden wouldn't be willing to legalize marijuana right away, unlike other 2020 contenders. Bernie Sanders said he would have removed the federal ban on marijuana during his first 100 days. Biden, however, remained firm that he wants scientific research to support his decision, saying that he's not prepared to legalize as long as there are serious medical people saying that we should determine what side effects would occur. So it, it's almost like he's got a leg on both sides trying to win votes on the people that want it legalized because it looks like he's going to, but he's also staying on the side of... The bible belt saying well i'm not sure so it it looks like he's just trying to win votes.
0: and i think that that could be a lot of it because he hasn't given a timeline for when this would actually take place i mean there have been several several studies done out of israel and canada where cannabis for purposes of study is an option and they have shown the benefits of cannabis so there is solid scientific evidence and I I would question what he means exactly when he refers to people in the scientific community stating that there's reasons for not legalizing. Do those people have an alternative agenda? Are they maybe uh, in in some sort of partnership with a pharmaceutical company, or are they the sort of doctor who benefits from a certain amount of prescribing pharmaceuticals throughout the year? I just think that that is a really loaded statement to make about, yes, he's playing both sides of the coin, but that is a really loaded statement to say that some medical professionals, how do you put stock in one medical professional over another?
1: And again, I think that's just a political platform where if the vote swings this way he can say well that's what i was saying all along or if the vote swings the other way he can lean on that leg and go well i told you that's exactly what i was looking at too and and want to agree with whatever that is you can i mean let's face it you can always find uh, a research paper or medical professionals that will agree with you no matter which which way you're going to lean
0: and that's probably it. It was probably a very well-crafted paragraph that a speechwriter or someone on his campaign team crafted regarding cannabis policy. So, so that, that he
1: could go either way. Yes, yeah.
0: yes. So now we'll go to uh, another article, also from Benzinga, and this is regarding COVID and marijuana legalization again, but from the perspective of the lens of history. The Great Depression and the need for tax revenue to fund the New Deal ended prohibition in 1933. The economic fallout from the COVID crisis, according to some experts, could result in a, quote, new New Deal. And Senator Ed Markey, Democrat of Massachusetts, said recently that 2021 would be likened to 1933 and have a FDR moment. Just as the first FDR moment included the re-legalization of alcohol, there are indications that the next may include the legalization of marijuana. The COVID-19 crisis has again highlighted fundamental tensions in marijuana law and policy in the U.S. Several states have declared marijuana businesses, quote, essential and therefore exempt from mandatory shutdown orders. But at the same time, marijuana businesses are ineligible for the cares act relief because of a small business administration policy which prohibits assistance to all marijuana businesses because they operate in violation of federal law This apparent incongruity has sparked renewed congressional interest in marijuana reform. On April 17th, a bipartisan group of 34 members of the House of Representatives wrote to Speaker Nancy Pelosi, Democrat California, and Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, Republican California, urging that state legal cannabis businesses and their employees be covered by the next COVID-19 relief bill. On April 22nd, 10 Democratic senators sent a similar letter to Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, Republican Kentucky, and Democratic leader Charles Schumer, Democrat, New York. On April 23rd, Representative Earl Blumenauer, Democrat of Oregon, introduced the Emergency Cannabis Small Business Health and Safety Act, which would allow marijuana businesses to become eligible for CARES Act funding. The bill has attracted 16 bipartisan co-sponsors. The debate has also drawn attention to the industry's role in the U.S. economy. For, a, for example, the April 17th House letter claimed that the state legal cannabis industry is a major contributor to the U.S. economy and workforce, employing over 240,000 workers across 33 states and four territories, and generating $1.9 billion in state and local taxes in 2019. Given the economic potential, some governors are already looking to legalize marijuana and the anticipated tax revenue to help their states recover. This article pretty much speaks for itself in the sense that cannabis could be the saving grace to pull the U.S. out of another deep recession like the Depression that the New Deal rectified when they canceled prohibition and started taxing alcohol because people were getting it anyway, and the government might as well get their cut, and then everybody benefits from it in terms of the economy.
1: While doing the research for today's podcast, I read an article that I almost put into my uh, list of things that I wanted to talk about today, where a governor in Texas felt that by legalizing cannabis, they could save their entire economy. For the entire state and how
0: like there's really not a case to be made for how that wouldn't be true you can make cases for cannabis in how it's it could be deemed quote a gateway drug but that's mostly because of how it's been presented to society and the perspective that people have been taught to hold about it uh or you can make the case that you know what if children get access to it or you can make the case that uh, you know, maybe it'll cause citizens to be more lazy or whatever. You can make all kinds of cases that you want to. The one case that cannot be
1: made is that it wouldn't have a massive positive influx of cash on the tax revenue. How true. And and let's face it. I mean, people are accessing it anyway. The same way with alcohol and prohibition, people are accessing it anyway. So the government might as well just go ahead and legalize it and let let it be created grown and produced uh processed in a facility where it's safe to be done and let people get educated about it yeah you know
0: education is the kind of thing that destigmatizes that helps people grow that encourages forward progression of a community and a society and the world and to prevent people from having access as you stated in the article from last week about lack of medical studies that are being done on cannabis because there's not enough of it to go around legally people need to have the opportunity to educate themselves not on any propaganda about cannabis or any other perspective but on actual facts that are being done by studies that don't have an agenda
1: exactly and and also with that um, study being done on that 12 acres from mississippi they can only grow so much they can only grow a certain number of strains which doesn't allow any sort of research research. and development right so last week in closing we talked about uh, what what it's like to actually own and operate in a legal cannabis grow and i'd like to talk about some of that today so when I go on social media, you know that I'm I own a legal cannabis operation and I op, I operate it every day. I'm in there seven days a week. When I go on social media, Instagram, Facebook, etc., where I didn't think it was such a big deal before, I do now. I see other grows, maybe legal and maybe not, sharing photos of the progress of their of their bud, and perhaps the quality. You know, people love to take pictures where they zero right in on the the terpenes of a bud. Uh, One of the things that I personally look at when I'm looking at those pictures, I look beyond the bud and I look at the cleanliness of the overall operation. Health Canada is very clear about all the surfaces in a legal grow must be a surface that can be cleaned, and that means no wood. So when I see people posting pictures of exposed wood in a grow, I know immediately that they're not legal. You can have wood in your grow, but it has to be painted so that if the when you're doing your cleaning, the, the surface can be wiped and, and perhaps even pressure washed to get it clean. And that's, that's only if the surface is exposed to the cannabis. So using 2 by 4s to construct your facility behind walls, behind drywall or, or the, um, the reinforced fiberglass protective coating that you can use, that's fine. But you can't have bare wood for shelving or your table bases. Another thing that I look at is whether the employees are wearing gloves and masks, scrubs and the proper footwear. And this can be challenging because of the virus to obtain the protective gear. But growing medicine for people requires a certain level of hygiene that you just cannot skip over. And this is especially true for edibles. I see people posting pictures of making edibles at home with bare hands and crap on the kitchen counter. So if you're making edibles for the public to consume, it should be in a stainless kitchen following protocols that keep the product clean and safe for the public. If you're growing at home and the end product is for personal use then the decisions you make about how to grow and the hygiene levels in your kitchen are up to you. But rest assured if you're buying from a legal operator we wear gloves, masks, scrubs, change footwear to go into the grow area. We follow protocols for hygiene that are approved by Health Canada to make sure the product you purchase has been grown and processed in a very clean environment. There are a couple
0: things that I want to touch on there. So the
1: wood, the reason that wood can't be used is because it's a porous
0: surface. And if you've ever watched, you know, just for example, an HGTV show where they rip the drywall off and the wood is rotting underneath the floor or even not rotting, but it has like spores of mold, little black spots on the wood. That's exactly why you can't be using it because cannabis is the kind of plant that has to have a certain amount of humidity in the the environment for it to thrive and when you introduce humidity into a cultivation where there's plants growing and and moisture in the air and soil you have to be able to control things like molds and having porous surfaces where liquid can get in there and then start to fester is that's why you can't have wood in a grow like this and why you really need to be using I mean in the best case scenario it would be steel. You would have, you know, medical stainless steel tables to do your work surface work on and the plants would be encased in steel tables and there would be obviously reducing plastic for the sake of the environment is a, is very important and should be done wherever possible and wherever you can substitute a longer term use for something like stainless steel instead of plastic obviously that would be the most ideal Uh, but wood is just really not an option unless it's been coated with a, a an epoxy sort of paint that keeps it from being porous at all and then the other thing that I wanted to touch on regarding the kitchen and the the products sometimes people don't think about oh this is a medicine for someone or, or if you're making edibles, would you want to go to your grocery store and see the person in the bakery working behind with, you know, the whatever on the counter and bare hands and, and their hair falling and then in. they <laughs> maybe take the money from you and then they start making your sandwich or, or packaging your donuts with no gloves on and they've just touched your money and for some people you might be totally fine with that but for the vast majority of people especially given the new heightened hygiene that we've all been required to start adhering to just personally not not regarding your job that's what you have to think of when you're cultivating cannabis or you're making edibles it's not like you're making cupcakes for your neighbor which you should be clean no matter what kind of product you're making for your family or your neighbors or your block party or whatever but you have to think about the fact that this is a commercial grade medical product. Whether you're selling recreationally or medicinally, you should be meeting the medical standard. Yes. And now we will go on to our global articles for today. So I have an article discussing cannabis on the dark web and this is from the European Monitoring Center for Drugs and Drug Addiction. This report is a rapid and preliminary analysis of the impact of COVID-19 on select online markets. Three relatively large dark net markets were reviewed for the purposes of this study, selected because of their importance to the EU, that would be the European Union market, and because they could be accessed to provide information necessary to comment on activity levels. A limitation of this study is that not all major darknet markets could be included at the time of drafting, April 2020. Qualitative information from a number of online forums was also analyzed to further inform the analysis provided here. The conclusions made are therefore necessarily tentative and only provide a snapshot of the moment as the situation is evolving rapidly. The key points to take away from this report are in the markets analyzed, the COVID-19 pandemic and the response to it appear to have resulted in an increased activity level mainly related to cannabis products via dark net markets or dark web over the first three months of 2020. The data on cannabis is suggestive of two competing but related drivers. Those buying volumes of cannabis for physical resale have reduced their activities. Anticipating resale may be more difficult due to social distancing measures. At the same time, established buyers or possibly new buyers who are seeking cannabis for personal use or for use among their social network are increasing their activities on the market. Cannabis prices appear to be decreasing for large volume purchases but staying stable at mid and lower volumes. When considered together, the processes at different ends of the market may explain the discrepancy between the rising number of sales over time but diminished revenue. Referrals to encrypted messenger services also appear to be growing. If vendors and buyers switch to this type of technology, activities will not be visible through current dark net monitoring and interdiction will be more challenging. There appears to be a decline in demand for drugs commonly used at large social events. In the markets analyzed, drug sales appeared to originate primarily from the United Kingdom and Germany. However, the Netherlands is frequently cited as a source of some of the drugs on offer. The estimated value of cannabis products sold via Canazon, a market devoted to cannabis products exclusively, reached approximately 4.3 million euros between January and March 2020, representing a volume of 1.6 metric tons. Some vendors appear to be trying to maintain consumer confidence by informing buyers that they are operating in a, quote, business-as-usual mode. Some have reacted to reduced demand by trying to stimulate sales using marketing techniques such as introducing discounts and lower minimum order quantities. The observational window for this study stopped at the end of March so what that very intense study is discussing is the fact that people are purchasing cannabis from the dark web or the dark net and that ties in so precisely with what we were just talking about about what kind of quality you can or cannot expect from a non-licensed illegal producer you have no idea when you purchase something from the dark web, if the purchase person that you're buying from also just sold some kidneys and organs on the black web to someone else, you have absolutely no idea who you're buying from, what that product has come into contact with. And the, I don't, that's not even the point. The point is that to protect citizens, governments need to legalize and they need to do it in a way where people can have access to things that they're already seeking in a safe environment. So people are at risk by purchasing things like cannabis on the dark web where you have no idea what you're getting or who you're getting it from or what it could be laced with or what it's come into contact with previously and that's not protecting your citizens. And that's why legalization should be enacted Because we know that cannabis is not any more dangerous than alcohol. And for that case, then legalization should be expanded as soon as possible to protect people. If for nothing else, to protect them from themselves while they try and access what they feel they so desperately need.
1: Desperately or just, you know, as a day-to-day usage. I, I, I agree with you completely on everything you said that when you know who your grower is There i mean you should know your grower i i think you should know your grower and your grower should know you it should be craft it should be grown in small batches it should be in a controlled environment in a legal safe clean space and
0: it's less about you know i know that people like to purchase from the people that they've been buying from whatever for a long time and That's not what I'm trying to say, that you should only buy from legal sources. Obviously, I think you should because of the standards that are in place, but I understand that you may have a grower that you trust. That's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about here is the consumer being taken advantage of by someone supplying something that the consumer wants and they're willing to go to great lengths to access. And that in itself, sets them up to be at a disadvantage, the consumer. It sets the consumer up to be at a disadvantage because the seller knows that they can set higher prices, they can deliver crappy product,
1: and the buyer's gonna buy it either way. Because they're desperate. And that's unfortunate that people get taken advantage of that way. It is, and and it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way
0: at all. It's certainly not that way in Canada. It's not that way in California. Uh, New Zealand is doing their part to legalize so soon it will be accessible there. People want access to it because they feel that they have been misled by an agenda that has been pushed as a quote war on drugs and cannabis got pulled into that quote war on drugs and that's why people are seeking it out because they believe that it is the medicine
1: and the product that they need and people should be allowed to make that choice. Well, for so many, it is the product and the medicine they need. And they should be able to access Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Safely
0: and in a way that they can feel good that it was grown by someone who wasn't exclusively profit-driven, but that actually cares about the quality of what they're producing in a way that it's going to be the most beneficial for the patient or I know the from, client.
1: I know for our my specific grow... It's it's a, a responsibility that you feel to produce the top quality product that you can possibly do.
0: Absolutely. So thank you for joining us for this week. We got several emails from people who listened to the show and had questions or just wanted to reach out and say how much they enjoyed it. Uh, I love answering your questions and I love hearing that you are enjoying the show. So please feel free to send us an email asking us to discuss anything specific. And also, if you'd like me to save the questions up and do a Q&A episode, because the questions may be applicable to you as well. So if that's something that interests you, then definitely drop me a line and let me know. I'd be happy to save the questions up and do an exclusive episode answering all the Q&As that we get. Thanks so much for joining us here at Canna Confidential. We'll talk to you next week. Have you met Mary Jane? Thanks so much for listening. If you have any questions about today's topics or the cannabis industry in general, then please send an email to admin at kinhana.com. That's k i n h a n a.com.